Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Amen. So, tremble is about the storms that we face, right, in our lives and in the world. And I started thinking to myself, I said, man, what, 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 happens, what happens when certain things happen to us and how we feel about certain things? And, and I was like, I don't know, Lord, we, we need to go somewhere. We need to figure this out. I, I'm not sure. But then I saw a meme, and you guys are going to crack up. But I saw a meme that I think creates something within us that we, whether we want to admit it or not, really does tremble. Our inner, our inner selves, right? And no, no, that's not that. So I thought to myself, I said, man, Lord, how many of us go to the doctor and you sit there, right? And you know, the, the nurse first calls you in, oh, let's check, you know, your hearing and, you know, you go for a physical. And then they're like, oh, get on the scale. And we stand there, we're like this, oh, man, here we go. Whether we want to get on the scale or not, right? I don't know about you guys, but this girl right here, sometimes I, don't, sometimes I go like this. I'm not going to get on the scale. I'm just going to tell you what it looks like. And they're like, no, no, no. I said, listen, I know. I'm not even going to tell you. But it creates something within us where we're like, we like double dutch, right? Is that, is that only me? I mean, I don't know. Listen, I'm built the way I'm built, and I'm good there. And some people don't mind jumping on the scale. This girl right here, mine's jumping on the scale. It creates this anxiety, because it's not like I don't know the truth. I know the truth. I just don't want everybody else to know the truth. Right? And I think that's what happens. I think we, 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 we like, you know, my kids, get on the, they get excited. Oh, we're going to jump on the scale. Jeremiah and Mariah always want to know how much they weigh. We have a scale at home. They always want to jump on. Oh, mom, mom, you jump. No, 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 no. Mommy's not jumping. You guys can read numbers now. We're not getting on the scale. My husband also likes to get on the scale, but he dropped like 100 pounds. So he loves to get on the scale, right? When he was losing weight, he was like, he's like, ooh, I'm going to get on the scale today. And I'm going to get on the scale later on. And I'm going to get on, and I'm like, and I used to look at him like, seriously? How many times can you get on the scale? You just got on an hour ago. It's not going to change, you know? But I think that this is a good representative of what this looks like. And then I saw this meme, which is a good representative of what us parents feel like. It says, mom forcing their kids to take pictures. They, they'll be, sit, be like, sit your butt down and smile, and then post it saying, the reason I breathe. Yes. So the storm that's created around us as parents, to get the perfect picture for our kids. It's real. It's real. Listen. I'm like, Amariah, smile. Mm-mm. Amariah, smile. Mm-mm. Amariah, smile. Mm-mm. Jeremiah's like, how long do I have to stay here? How long do I have to stay here? Well, until your sister starts to smile. Then he looks at her. Amariah, smile. Smile so we can take the picture. And I'm sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, somebody, somebody. And then I'll go ahead and post the greatest blessings. And they are the greatest blessings in my life. Meanwhile, I'm, my face is hot. I'm turning on the inside. I feel like 
full disclosure, knocking them out. And I'm like, guys, it's one picture. You understand? If it, was, it, it, it could be quick if you just do what I tell you to do, right? And I think we all go through that. We all go through that. And we all go through these things that give us these, these, these things that surround us and these things that are within us that create these things, you know, in our minds and in our hearts. And as we start to, sometimes physically, they manifest themselves. And this, you know, and this is all in good last, but there's also certain things that sometimes that are more serious, right? And I'm going to go to verse 23, and it says, As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. And this reminded me of the very first verse of Tremble, where it says, Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name. And our world in this day and age is hurting. Our world around us is hurting, right? And I just want to show you some pictures. I, I mean, I, didn't, I was like, oh my Lord, I don't know what to do, but I just wanted to give you a visual of the storms that brew around us, not necessarily in our city, but in the world as a whole, right? And these are people, these I Googled, guys don't ever Google disasters. I got like a thousand pictures. I was like, I'm not putting up a thousand pictures. But I did, this is a wildfire in Greece that happened this year, similar to the wildfires we deal with in California, where people are, this is their storm. This is their reality. Right now they're in it, and this is just surrounding us, right? We have the next picture of earthquakes in Papua New Guinea, where people have their homes destroyed. We have in Nigeria flooding. These are one of the things that they deal with, there's the storms that are not affecting us directly, but they surround us, right? Because we are a community, whether we're in Staten Island or we're in New York City or we're in New York State or we're in the United States or we're, we're a community, whether we see it or not, right? We're part of a bigger community. Then we have, even if we get closer to home, we have Hurricane Michael who, was, who hit Florida in October. We're bombarded with these mass shootings and these bomb threats. Just this week, we had bomb threats across the nation. You know, our world is hurting. Our world is hurting. It is calling out. It is calling out for Jesus. Whether they understand it or not, this world is calling out for Jesus. And it's, it doesn't help that we have all these new technologies that continuously bombard us, right? We have social media. We have alerts on our phone. I think I had an Amber Alert this week when they, you know, when they kidnapped children, you know. And then, and then the worst part of that is that I downloaded an app that every time somebody calls 911 in my neighborhood, it pops up on my phone. Guys. And that is insane, right? Because it's like at your fingertips. It's like not even, you're not even going to look for it right now. Now it's just like ding. And you're like, oh, what's that? And then you can't, and then you see, and you can't help but to look. You, it, the little thing pops up, and I'm like, oh, let me see what happened. And then I start looking around the city, too. And those are things that are surrounding us that create this space, right? And these storms that affects us without us really knowing that it affects us, right? I know for a long time I couldn't, I, even after the, um, a few years ago, we had the Paris terrorist attacks on the trains. And I was still commuting to Brooklyn. I could not deal. Everybody who got on the train was a suspect. 
I'm looking at people's arms. I'm looking at people's legs. I'm looking at people's book bags. I'm, I'm trying to figure everybody out. You know, I'm trying to see. And it's horrible because you don't, who wants to live like that? Nobody wants to live like that, right? But it's what we experience. And it, and it calls me into this place of, man, Lord, we need you. We need you. This world needs you. You know, and it's unfortunate because it is, it is the consequence of our fallen world. You know, and, you know, I, I was debating whether or not to bring all this stuff up because I was like, you know, I, it's just, it's really a consequence of our fallen world. Not because God isn't good. Right? It's not because God isn't good. It's just the consequence of where we live, right? And all those things in conjunction then start creating things within us, right? And in Tremble it says, still calm the sea to still, the rage in me to still, every wave at your name. And that's what it feels like. When you turn on the news, it's like I watch the news probably more than I would like to admit. John hates it. I'm home at 4.30. I'm watching the news, eyewitness news, by the way, from 4.30 all the way till 7 o'clock. I know. It's so bad. I know. That's my, that's my reality, though, because I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to know what's going on in my neighborhood. I want to know that, you know, the MTA hasn't fixed an elevator. Like, I want to know those things. Those things are, I, I want to know all those things, you know. But then I started realizing that, those things started creating something within me, and I think it happens to a lot of people. I think those things bring on a lot of things that we normally wouldn't think about until you start seeing all the stuff around you, right? As a matter of fact, I was, the other, this morning I was watching the news, and Jeremiah walks in, and they were talking about something like a, a sexual assault, and just the other day he asked me what that meant. And I was like, oh, man, I opened up this can of worms, you know? And I explained it to him at his level. He's eight. I didn't get into graphics. I just says, hey, this person was forced to do something they didn't want to do. And thank God, he walked away. He said, okay, mommy, and he walked away. So that was good. But it creates within us these, these, these pockets, these moments in our hearts, I think, and in our minds, when we start to evaluate what's going on around us and then feel like we can't trust or we can't move or we can't think straight, right? And I, and I, and I dealt with that. that. You know, this is the things that happen also with the disciples, too. When they got on that boat, suddenly this, this, they got caught up in a storm. They got caught up in a storm in the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and you know what's funny is that, according to the scholars, the Sea of Galilee was known for storms. Like, that wasn't a new occurrence. That was something like they knew as experienced fishermen, like most of them were, that this was something that occurred all the time. It wasn't something that, you know, that happened once in a blue, like volcanic explosions or anything like that. It was something that always happened. And... I can imagine what the disciples felt within them while they're standing there and all of a sudden, and all, in all three Gospels it says that it suddenly came on. So it was something that came out of nowhere, so to speak, that they, I guess maybe the weather wasn't right for it that day or something like that, but it just came out of nowhere. And the fear that they felt within them at that precise moment when the storm comes up, and we go through the same thing. I was, I was looking, I was Googling some stuff, and I, I ran into Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And I was like, man, you know, because I think this was what creates inside of us when we start to become paranoid of the storms around us, you know. And those storms cause these storms within us. And people suffer from anxiety. 
you know? And just this summer, I, I must have had two anxiety attacks out of nowhere, but I've never suffered from that. And then I started reevaluating about all the stuff that I feed myself, you know? Like watching the news from 437 is probably not a good idea, right? So it says, it's the most common illness in the U.S. I, I, I don't want to get into specifics of everything, but it's, there's also something called generalized anxiety disorder where people are worried about money, health, family, work, and other issues, right? How many of us can say that, we, that we, those things worry us? They worry us. Those things worry us. And the beauty of that is, there is a beauty to it, is that we have Jesus, that's the beauty. I tell my husband all the time, I said, I don't know how people outside who don't know Jesus live, do life. I, I lived that life, right? I did my life outside of Jesus. Yeah. In Jesus, I can't even imagine what that life would look like. Because I can cast my worries on him. Because I can lay them at the cross. Because I can speak to him. Because I can tell him, Lord, I'm feeling A, B, C, and D. I don't know what's going on. This, 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 this panic, I just, you know, of, of, over the summer, Pastor Roe had to pray for me. I'm sitting here. I can't breathe. I can't move. I can't. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I felt like I was suffocating. And there's people who do that without Jesus. And I'm like, I can't even imagine. And it's, the funny thing is that a lot of people think because you may go through these things that it doesn't, that it means that, that your relationship with Jesus may be funny, right? But I don't think, I, I don't see it that way. I see it and this is something that I experience and I'm like, but Lord, you are my anchor. You are my refuge. You are my tower. You are my strength. You are my joy. And I can walk through that knowing that he is the one who is constant and he's the one who lives with me and he's the one who dwells with me. And, he's, and, and those things may feel like they're going to crush you, but he's the one that knows that they may bend you but not crush you, and he's the one that knows that he died on the cross for you to give him those things, because I think, I don't know how new all these panic things are, but I'm sure they're not. I'm sure we just give them a name now. Does that make sense? Right? We just give them a name now. And I think, and, and that's very real to a person. When somebody's going through something like that, that is very real to them. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it was real to me too. Like, I, I, you know, your mind and, your, and, your, and you start to have this, this, you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go. But in Jesus, I'm like, oh, but I do know where to go. I, I'm going to Jesus. In Jesus, I'm like, I, I know what you've freed me from. I know what you've done for me. I know what, you've, what you continue to do for me. I know what the cross meant. I know what all those things meant. I know. And then, and then I call out this and I said, and man, Lord, all these things around me and inside of me may be pursuing me. But you know what? I can call this out and I can say... Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. That I know he can do. And the disciples went to Jesus and they're yelling, right? I can imagine. Because, you know, you read the stuff on the word, on the, in the story and you're like, in the middle of their storm, in the middle of this wind, and you hear them. And I'm sure they're not like this. Because the Bible says he was sleeping. Master. Master. Hey. Hey. This morning, Jeremiah, because he wanted me to go sleep on the sofa because he had a nightmare, comes to me real quiet. Mom, can you come sleep with me on the sofa? I had a nightmare. And I'm like, all right, you know. 
So I get, I get up, I'm like, go get your blanket, you know, the whole story. And I'm sleeping on the sofa. I can hear the disciples, though, in the middle of that snow, in the snowstorm, in the middle of that windstorm. Master, master, we're going to drown. Master, and doesn't that feel like us? When we're in the middle of all these things, when we're in the middle of this, of this storm, when we're in the middle of this rage, when we're in the middle of wave after wave after wave after wave hitting, and we can scream out, Master, we're drowning. Where are you? This is the way that feels. It feels as if you don't have a place to go. It feels, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, no matter how professional you think you are in your mess, there comes a point in time where you're like, master, master, I need you. I can't do this without you. I experienced this very thing. I grew up in the church where I thought I had to be perfect before I belonged. And it was compounded by my personality. Where I had to do everything just right to catch the attention of Jesus. And I had it all under together for about seven years after I rededicated my life to the Lord. And even when I thought I was a professional in my perfection, there came that one day and I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, Master, Master, I am drowning. I am drowning. I can't do this anymore. And then I said to him this, like if it was his fault, I said, how much longer do I have to keep this up? As if I needed to vie for his attention. As if he needed me to be everything in perfection to vie for his attention. And that was so further from the truth. And that's when Jesus, so I, I heard Jesus and I, I let it go. And I heard Jesus a few months later and he said, just bring it all to me. Bring me every piece of baggage, every piece of luggage that you can possibly have. Just give it all to me. Even the one that you don't even know where it's coming from. Just bring it all to me. And I will tell you that my life hasn't been the same. It's been three or four years now and my life hasn't been the same. I have seen the grace of God in such a way that I'm like, I no longer have to be perfect because you're perfect. I no longer have to do because you do. I do because I worship you. You died for me. So I didn't have to be perfect. You died for me so I no longer had to run after righteousness. You, I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I am, I am who I am because of him. My identity is found in him, not in my perfection. And sometimes it feels as if we are drowning. And you get to those moments where you may feel that things can't change. And you get to those moments where you feel like nothing's going to change. How many of us have been there where we just like, Lord, this is not going to change. I've been in this for too long. I've been in this for too long. The Bible doesn't say how long the disciples were in the snow, in the, I keep saying snowstorm, in the windstorm. It doesn't say, but can we say that sometimes those little pockets of time feel like forever? Those little pockets of time feel like forever. It feels like, oh my gosh, I'm never, if I don't know if I should step right, if I should step left, if I should go straight, if I should go backwards, should I, should I think about this, should I talk to this person, should I talk to that person, I, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and then, Jesus, and then they wake up Jesus. And the Bible says this, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Suddenly everything stopped. 
And I was thinking about this because I was like, wow, Lord. So we knew what type of mess we were getting into when we got on the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, right? We know that those things were frequent. We know that those things were, that those storms were always coming. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Lord, if you knew that, why would you, why would you say let's go through there? Maybe that was the other route. Maybe that was the only route. Who knows? I know that sometimes we also get into, we go into, we push ourselves into our own messes. Am I, am I the only one? Where we know sometimes that we're like, man, I, I don't know, mm, that might not be too good for me, but boop. You know when you go into the ocean and you're like, is it cold? And then your toe is telling you it's cold, but then you still jump in? But isn't it awesome to know that that very thing doesn't deter God from lavishing us with his mercy and his love and his goodness? I know I've gotten myself into doozies. Me and Lee were just talking about this the other day, about when we were teenagers. And how the situations looked funny, right? No, maybe it wasn't a good idea for me to get into a car with my girlfriend with like four other guys who we didn't know from the club and go down to the Verrazano in the middle of the night. I don't think that was a good idea. Thinking back, I'm like, mm, mm, mm. That was not a good idea. But guess what? Even knowing that it wasn't a good idea, God's mercy was still upon me. God's love was still upon me. God's goodness was still upon me. And by his grace, I'm standing here, thank God nothing happened, right? But it's just so nice to know that even when we get in, into these messes, into these pockets of messes, that God is not deterred by those things. We still can call out to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We walk into this place and... The verse in Tremble, the, the third uh, verse says, Breathe, then call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing. Once again, I will praise. And it's interesting because the disciples knew they were never alone. They knew that they can turn to the master and say, Hey, we need you. We need you to calm this thing. We need you to calm this storm. We need you to, to be with us. We need you to, to take care of this. We need you, right? And it's interesting to me because... You know, it, the story shows the two sides of Jesus, right? It shows his full humanity because he was tired. And it shows his full, divine, his full um, divinity because he, he was able to hush the storms. And I, said, and I said, wow, Lord, I said, just when we thought that we couldn't, we, we couldn't do that. Just when we thought that those places in our lives, those storms in our lives would never cease. You know, we can say unto you, breathe, call these things to breathe. We can, we can say, Lord, because you've done it before, right? Genesis 2, 7 says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Pastor Roe preached last week on Soul Will Lie, and there's a verse in that thing that says, He created, oh, now I forgot it. With no instruction, no, with no point of reference. He created these things with no point of reference. I don't know about you, but that's a God who sounds like to me that doesn't need a manual. 
right? He doesn't need a manual to breathe life into things. All he needs is a willing heart to say, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, breathe life into these bones. Breathe life into these things. And once again, I will praise. So it's not like I've never praised before. It's like, Lord, I know we've gotten through stuff. I know you saved me from some stuff. I know you've breathed life here before. But once again, I need you to do it again. Because then this time, this time, your breath will be in me. And this time we can do it again. And you will breathe into me and continue to breathe into me. So I can praise you. So I can lift up your name. So I can show others. So I can be the light of this world. So I can be the one who shows others what you've done and what you continue to do. And he can say Jesus we could say breathe in me again and it's so funny because I'm like Lord like what do we what do we have what do we have in these things we know our world is hurting we know we have storms we know we have storms that we live with Lord and, and then I'm like I'm like but do we know that in Jesus name we have healing Mark 16 17 18 say this these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe they will cast out demons in my name they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, they will not hurt, him, hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And they will be healed. We have victory in Jesus' name. John 16, says this, I have told you so that you may have peace in me. Not peace in, in your storm, not peace in the, in the surrounding, but peace in me, peace in Jesus. That as you're walking through that storm, you can have peace in Jesus. You can have peace that surpasses understanding. When people go up to you and say, hey, aren't you going through A, B, C, and D? And you're walking around like you chilling? Yeah, yeah. That's the peace because I know that my God has conquered the world. That's the peace that I can rest in because he is my hope and he is my salvation. And he is the one who has lifted me up. And he's the one who, who, who lifts up my head when I think I, I should be ashamed. And he's the one who, who stands beside me no matter what. And he's the one who carries me when I need him to, right? And it says, he, says, he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Yeah, that sounds about right. But then he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Not even the sting of death stopped your Savior. Where for us humans, we think that is the ultimate end, the ultimate finale, the ultimate thing. Not even the sting of death. There's a song that says, I think that says that the grave, the grave, they, almost like the grave borrowed him. Or he borrowed the grave. I'm, I'm probably chopping that up. Just for a few days. Because then he rose again. It's almost like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill here for a few, but I'm going to show you that even this is not the final chapter. Amen? We go to verse 25. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. And, you know, I was reading this, and sometimes Jesus sounds a little harsh. <laughs> I was like, Lord, like, how are you going to ask them, where is your faith? But if you know your God, and if we know who God is, and I started looking at it from another perspective. And I said, man, Lord, I said, I, I don't think Jesus is trying to be rude. You know, these are people who have walked with him. He had just came from preaching on, on the other side. You know, he, they've seen miracles. And then it's like, 
is then another thing about us, how we are surprised and astonished at those things that Jesus takes care of. You know, they were human, we're human, we're like, wow, Lord. And then we start to think about Jesus, I'm like, would we, Jesus, really, like, we're really going to ask them, you know, will you? Jesus, can you do this? Will you do this? Are you sure? But, but we feel like we're drowning. We feel like we're being swallowed up. We feel like we, we, this is never going to be settled. And Jesus asked them, where's your faith? And, and, I fir- and like I said, when I first read this, I was like, that was a little weird. But I think it's really Jesus asking them because he was viewing them from a place of compassion. You know, I think he was viewing them from a place of compassion. Walk with me here just for a second. I know it sounds crazy, but... I think he, he asked that question because he knows the potential that he places within them. I think he asked that question because whatever was going on around them at that precise moment had nothing to do with their position in the kingdom. Had nothing to do with, had, had nothing to do with what was going on inside of them. Had nothing to do with their fear. He views them from a place where, where it's like, no, no, I know what I placed in you. I know what I called you to do. I know what you can do. I, Trust me. Trust me. So where's your faith in that? Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about what you see right now. Don't worry about what's in front of you. Don't worry about what's behind you. Don't worry about what's on the side of you. Just worry about where I have called you, what I have called you to do, with the potential that I've placed inside of you. And, I, and now I look at it, and I'm like, wow, yeah. So that would make sense when God would be like, I could see Jesus just standing there like, man, where's your faith? We got this. You got this. I have created you, I have placed you, I intricately entwined you. The Bible says that he knitted you from your mother's womb, like he placed that together. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a video of, of, of what happens within a womb. It's amazing. All these neurons, all these transmitters, all these, all these electric, I don't know what, you know, all these things that, that make up the, the genetic makeup of a person. And he looks at them and he says, hey, where's your faith? And the funny thing is that the disciples look at him, they're not even worried about the question. They're more like, yo, who's this dude? Which is crazy to me too, because I'm like, but you left and you followed him. So I don't understand why we're asking these questions if we didn't believe, right? If we didn't believe just a little bit. But they're like, but they were astonished at Jesus. And, he, and we, we always remember that he has our back because he is our everlasting father and he is our forever comfort. And he is our friend. Right? And as the disciples were asking what happened here, like how, who was, you know, who's this guy that the winds and waves are, and I thought about Acts 4, 12, where it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. Not can be saved, must be saved. He is the only one. And as the worship team comes up, I want to close with this and, and, and I'm going to close off with the bridge of the song. And I found this, these verses in the Bible that really resonated with me. And I feel like I found Hebrews and Hebrews 1 where it kind of brings it all together. You know? It brings it all together. It brings everything that you, we've gone through, every storm that we deal with, everything on the inside, and how Jesus doesn't change, that he's constant yesterday, today, and forever. That he never, he never gives up on us, that he's always with us, Right? And he goes, and tremble go, and the song goes like this. He says, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive forever lifted high. Hebrews 1 speaks to this. It's a little lengthy, but I was like, ooh, this is so good. 
right? The author of Hebrews. <clears throat> I'm going to say Paul, but we're going to say we don't know. Amen? Says this. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he has created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his hand. When he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the son is far greater than the angels, just as, not God, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Not lesser, greater. We're going to jump to verse 8. It says, but to his son he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. Your name is the song. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high. And verse 10 to 12 says this. He also says to the son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. Not in year 2010, not in year 2000. He says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. You created it all. And made the heavens with your hands. So check this out. They will perish, but your, your name will remain forever. They will wear out uh, like old clothing. Those things will wear out. That storm will wear out. The Bible in the Amplified Version, when it says that Jesus rebuked the storm, says the storm grew weary. Those things will wear out. He says, you will fold them up like, a, like the, a cloak and discard them like old clothing. How many of us clean with old rags? We rip up a t-shirt. Oh, Right? Yeah, I know. We do it. I did it the other day. But he said, those things will wear out. You will fold them up. So think about that. You fold it up like a piece of garbage to clean, right? And he says, but you are always the same. You live forever. He lives forever. There is nothing, nothing that his name cannot overcome. There is nothing that we experience in this lifetime that his name is not alive and it has authority and it has power and although it may not seem like it because I get that too I challenge you guys to hold on to the name of Jesus hold on to the name of Jesus I'm going to close with this in September of this year I had my last bout uh, my most recent bout with my depression I was explaining this to Pastor Rowe. I said, when the first time I went through that a few years ago, I felt hopeless. As a believer, hopeless. But as God started, as I allowed God to start showing me things, and as I allowed, I allowed him to mold me, this past bout that I had, I told, I told Pastor Ross that, you know, I, I, my mind kept telling me that I was a million light years away. 
my mind kept telling me the same thing. He's not here. He's not here. But my heart kept saying this. That's not true. That's not true. Three days I endured this. And I said, no, Lord, this cloud, this thing, no, no, no. Your name is lifted higher. You are greater than this. You, are great. you died for this, for, for this time. You died 2,000 years ago plus for this time. You died so I can overcome this. And by my third day, I told Pastor Ross that even though I still felt like a million miles away, I knew in my heart that Jesus was there. And I knew that he was with me. And I knew that I can overcome this. And I knew that this wasn't going to dictate to me my position and what he has called me to do. And I knew that this wasn't going to impede him from getting to me. I knew he wasn't scared of this storm. I knew he wasn't scared of the rage within me. I knew he wasn't scared of every wave that I kept getting hit after thought, after thought, after thought, after thought. I knew. I knew that I knew. I knew that I knew. I knew that I knew and I know and I know and I need you to know. That is your reality. That there is no other name by which men can be saved. There is no other name that can, that can combat the things that Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Let us stand. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.